We're going to have to change the paradigm. That word, paradigm, is what set me off on my career-long obsession with keeping marketing simple. In this solo episode, I'm going to tell you exactly why that happened. Welcome to episode 175 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and complexity from your marketing strategy. Hey folks, and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate Every week, you're taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. This week, it's just me and the mic talking about why I have this career-long obsession with simplicity in marketing. What set me off down this track? What I learned quite early on in my career that I still apply today with the people that I work with. I've just come back from Serbia. I was speaking at the Content Experience Conference in Belgrade. It was another great opportunity to meet people from a different country, obviously, and to realise that simplicity in marketing is something that we need the world over. It doesn't matter whether your company is based in the UK, in Europe, in the United States, whatever country you're in, we all struggle with complexity. My obsession with keeping marketing simple started to develop after I'd moved to Edinburgh back in the mid-1990s. What set me off along this track was taking part in a strategic review and product development. I was working for a financial services company at the time. Now, in those days, product developments in financial services companies often took a long time. There was none of this, here's a great idea, let's rustle up a test product, get it out there for a few weeks and see whether it succeeds or whether it fails. Back in the 1990s, with very old computer systems, mainframes and such like, things did take ages. We were looking at 18 months to two years to build a new financial services product. Something like an investment bond, a unit trust or a life insurance policy devoured IT time and sucked in most of the company resources for months, if not years. The amount of money companies had to invest to launch products in those days was high because of that time that it took. And therefore, they would always want to make sure that they were going to make a massive return on their investment. And I don't mean just a couple of percent. They would often go into set returns on investment of between 10 and 20 percent. The company I was working for at the time was looking to launch a new form of investment product. And it hired in a big management consultancy firm to come in and help us with the project. We set aside several weeks and they hired a venue out in the countryside. It looked like one of those stately homes or manor houses you see in TV series with a long sweeping driveway, expansive grounds and gardens and a little peace and quiet away from the distraction of phones and meeting rooms. In a time long before mobile phones, it was possible to escape entirely from the daily routine. We didn't even have time to use the payphone to call the office during the breaks. We arrived each day to plenty of strong coffee, croissants and Danish pastries. The consultancy firm brought with them a crate full of flip charts, mountains of post-it notes and piles of coloured pens. We set about looking at the strategy for this product development. The management consultancy guy who led us through the process was 
was called Benjamin. Well, actually, he wasn't really called Benjamin, but I will save his embarrassment by giving him a pseudonym. He looked impressive in his pinstripe London suit, complete with waistcoat and red braces. I remember thinking at the time he looked a little bit like Michael Douglas playing Gordon Gecko in the 1987 film Wall Street. When he only allowed us 20 minutes to grab a sandwich at lunchtime, I half expected him to quote Gecko and say, Lunch is for wimps. Every time Benjamin opened his mouth, all that came out was just techno babble, management speak, jargon, gobbledygook, and bloated bollocks. It was quite laughable, but what amazed me was that everyone in the room seemed to lap this up. And over the course of the few days that we spent with Benjamin, everyone else started to copy his speech patterns, started using the same sorts of terminologies, the same sort of words, and the same sort of big sentences, long rambling sentences, passive voice sentences. Benjamin introduced us to the massive process of SWOT analysis. You know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. We also did a PEST analysis. That's political, economic, social and technology. We looked at Ansoff's matrix and Boston grids. We even touched upon Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we analysed all of this to death things got complicated. We took part in a post-it note posting exercise, a painful process which would become a main staple of my experience with strategy over the next couple of decades. A post-it note posting exercise happens like this. You're given a question or a topic and everyone must write down on post-it notes answers or suggestions or tips or ideas. The first one we did was the SWOT analysis. So we started writing on the post-it notes. Everyone scribbled frantically, heads down. The scratching sounds of pens on post-it notes was the only sounds you could hear. We had to stick the post-it notes up on flip chart paper. Benjamin had stuck these on the wall around the room with blue tack. He put up several flip chart sheets for each of the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threat sections. Once we had hundreds of post-it notes stuck on the flip chart sheets, we stood back to admire our work. Benjamin thanked us for our ideas and arduous work. He asked us to rearrange the post-it notes under different subcategories. So we all lifted off the post-it notes from one flip chart and moved them to another flip chart and stuck them back on. We did this rearrangement several times over several days. After we'd done the SWOT analysis, we moved on to the other academic exercises. We brainstormed in pairs. We moved into breakout rooms to brainstorm in groups. We drew conclusions from the SWOT and PEST analysis, looked at the customer feedback and came up with product scenarios. We considered development plans and timescales. What would we need to do to launch this to the market? What resources would we need? After two weeks, Benjamin came back. He'd written up a lengthy document. I think it was probably about 60 pages long. And most of what we'd stuck on the wall on those post-it notes, he'd regurgitated into the document. This was the days before digital, of course, so somebody somewhere had had to type all of this up and it cost us a fortune. I remember him standing there at the summing up and saying, I think we've got the basics of some very good product ideas here. And then he said, and I'll never forget this sentence, we must now finesse the paradigm to achieve maximum alacrity. Yeah, seriously. Here's that sentence again. We must now finesse the paradigm to achieve maximum alacrity. I could see some of the other members of the team sitting there with their tongues hanging out, lapping up this nonsense. I'm thinking, what a load of rubbish. We must finesse the paradigm. What's wrong with refine the idea? That's what he meant. 
does finesse and paradigm and alacrity sound more professional? Does it sound more deserving of the high price tag placed upon Benjamin's services? That was my introduction to the gobbledygook world of management speak. I saw many more examples over the years. I remember attending a conference a couple of years later, a marketing conference. I was speaking at this conference. I think it might have been one of the first conferences I did a speech at. I was therefore quite nervous. The subject was sales ideas or something like that. Anyway, this other speaker, let's call him Phil, came onto the stage. His subject was selling product. He started his speech by saying something provocative like, investments are dead. We must change the paradigm. We must change the paradigm. There's that word again, paradigm. I don't know whether somebody had bet Phil whether he could use the word paradigm as many times as he possibly could in his speech, but he used this word as many times as he possibly could. He kept pausing and saying every few slides, we need to change the paradigm, or we need a different paradigm, or the paradigm is exhausted. I was waiting, maybe praying for somebody to put their hands up and say, can you just explain to me what a paradigm is? That word paradigm haunts me to this day. (laughs) I wish I'd run a sweepstake beforehand to try and guess how many times Phil would use the word paradigm. In the end, people in the audience were starting to snigger, starting to stifle laughter every time he said the P word. And so was I. I had to bite my lip every time Phil uttered the word paradigm. In the end, it just made him look extremely foolish. Why do we feel, especially in professional industries, that we have to use such bureaucratic claptrap? As my career developed and I found myself leading teams, I found myself fighting back against management speak mumbo-jumbo and jargon. It became a bit of an obsession. I'd start calling people out in meetings if they use cliched management speak phrases. For example, an IT person might say, I don't have the bandwidth. I'd snigger and ask, what's wrong with I'm busy? I did sometimes think that people probably thought that I was being a bit of an irritating git. But here's the thing. If you ask other business people what they think of management speak mumbo jumbo and jargon, they all criticise it. They all call it out. They all have a laugh about it. They laugh about it, but they still use it. Okay, I'll put my hands up. Over my career, of course I've used such language, even when I've been trying hard not to. But we really, really must stop it. If something's unique, you know that it's just the same as everything else. If it's very unique, you know the copywriter doesn't realise you can't have degrees of uniqueness. Innovative is equally meaningless. Game-changing even more so. Please don't tell me about value-added or how something has been optimised or finessed so that it attains the scalability to become world-class. People want you to talk to them in plain English. That's how they communicate, verbally and in writing. Whatever industry you work in, whether it's an industry of complex products and processes like financial services or a simple one selling cupcakes, you owe it to your customers and to each other to make your processes and communications simple. Resist the people who comment on your copy and want to reintroduce complex language because they think it sounds more professional or they just wouldn't have written it that way. After nearly two decades of fighting complexity at both the strategic stage of marketing and at the communications front end, I've almost rebooted my career now as a consultant and speaker helping people keep things simple. My philosophy is have a marketing strategy, but keep it simple. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with those academic exercises like SWOT analysis, pest analysis, Boston grids, Ansoff's matrices and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But unless you're a gigantic company with massive budgets, you don't need to go to that extreme. You can just answer three questions, as I've said on this podcast many, many times. Who is your customer? What is their problem? And how do you solve their problem better than anybody else? If you do that exercise, on the whole, you'll have done just the same as going through all those academic processes. And the second part of my philosophy, of course, is keep it simple at the marketing communication stage. And again, the three rules that I keep coming back to on this podcast are... One, assume your customer knows nothing. Secondly, talk in the language of your customer. And thirdly, just avoid all that management speak, jargon, mumbo jumbo and gobbledygook. I hope you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane. The reason why I became obsessed with keeping things simple, that word paradigm, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And that was almost a cliche in itself, wasn't it? Next week, we'll be back to the usual interview format. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Finance Podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. And in the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.